0: God, hope everybody's doing great. Hope you had a, a great Valentine's Day. Hope you uh, got something from a Valentine and gave something for a, to a Valentine. Um, that uh, that all is going well. That you're in good health. Uh, God is good. Um, so glad that you've joined us and continue to join us. Uh, um, hopefully, there's some new people listening. Um, but for those of you that continue to listen and continue to follow us, we're just excited, and uh, and hope that this is a a blessing to you that you're getting something out of uh, these podcasts. That is my heart's desire uh, as a pastor and a teacher, as the executive director of Adult and Teen Challenges, at Upper Cumberland. Uh, one of the things that I really believe in wholeheartedly is discipleship, training up disciples, training up people, teaching them the word of God so that their life is uh, is just full. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come that you'd have life and have it more abundantly. And I believe the abundant life comes to those that uh, are continually studying and seeking the word of God uh, for their lives. So, We've been talking for the last several weeks. Uh, I believe this is, uh, gosh, like the sixth week, if I'm not mistaken. And we've been talking about the gifts of God. And uh, man, these gifts are—I've been teaching on the gifts of God, and God just continues to grow these these things. Uh, the, these the, the teaching of this um, over and over. Um, if you if you saw my notes as they sat right before for you, like I said, we're on week number six. Um, I have got 50 pages of notes sitting here in front of me, 50 pages of outlines sitting in front of me, and we're on page 24. So I hope you don't get uh, bored. I hope that you're excited about the Word of God and that that you're learning something through these teachings. So as we pick up this week, we started talking last week on the gifts of the Son, the gifts of the Son. So if you've not heard these, please go back and listen to them because it brings everything into context. Uh, But just so we can pick up and move quickly, we've been talking about the gifts of the Son. We understand that all the gifts come from God. I've broke them down into the gifts of the Father, gifts of the Son, and then we'll, we'll eventually talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But as we talk about the gifts of the Son, we understand that Paul says in in First in Corinthians chapter 12, he says that there are differences in ministries. There are differences in ministries. And so when we look at the gifts in Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, what we're going to see is differences in ministries, different ministry gifts, different offices. Some people call this the five-fold ministry offices because we're looking at five different offices that God anoints people in the church. And some of these do overlap. Uh, so, so let's look at this. Ephesians chapter 4, Verse 11 through 13 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So as we continue to think about these, we we talked last week about the office or the gift of the apostle and the gift of the prophet. What we looked at real quick was that the apostle is never mentioned. We never see that office anywhere in the Old Testament, nor do we see it in the gospels. We do not see it until the book of Acts, where, where after Jesus's resurrection, the disciples then became called apostles. We also looked at the fact that Jesus was the first apostle because apostle means sent one. And, and we looked in the Hebrews where it calls him uh, an apostle. Uh, we also looked at the prophets and we looked at it, uh, that a prophet, now we see prophet in the Old Testament was called a seer many times and then we get into a prophet in the New Testament and a prophet is one that uh, is also in ministry that many times will speak on things pertaining to the future um, or, or or things that are just really inspired for the now from God. It comes from a, a sudden inspiration. It's not something that is planned out. It's not something that has been studied out. It is something that comes from a sudden inspiration and comes upon the person that walks in the office of the prophet today i want to talk to you about the office the of the evangelist the office of the evangelist now as i told told you last week um you know a lot of people have came to me and they they said why do you go by pastor tim and we'll look at pastor here in a minute um and, and and instead of going by an evangelist they said you tend to operate more In the office of an evangelist and i said well number one i don't want to get caught up on that i want to make sure that i'm just doing what god's told me to do but i get their point the word evangelist occurs three times in the new testament the word evangelist occurs three times we just read one of those which is here in ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 We also see the term used in evangelist when we look in Acts chapter 21, verse number 8. Acts chapter 21, verse number 8, and it's talking about Philip the evangelist. And then we also see the word evangelist used in 2 Timothy 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 5, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 5, where it says, But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. So only three times do we see this this word evangelist used in the New Testament. The meaning of the word evangelist is one who brings the evangel, The evangel, meaning the good news. Okay? So the word evangelist comes from the one who brings the evangel, the good news. It's a messenger of good tidings. A messenger of good tidings. The evangelist brings the message of the redeeming grace of God. The evangelist is one who brings the message of the redeeming grace of God. The evangelist. Uh, has a special gift of sharing the gospel in such a way that men and women respond to follow Jesus. Now, I've heard people say this before, and, and, and I don't know if... That's why they say I should go. I should be called evangelist. I don't know. Uh, I think about guys like uh, Nathan Morris, evangelist Nathan Morris, and evangelist Daniel Kalanda, and, and evangelist Reinhard Bonnke. and and I think about these guys. Billy Graham was an evangelist, and and these guys that will go out and do that. But a lot of times you know, when they talk about the evangelists they kind of travel around. And I think that's why a lot of people talk about me is because we're in a lot of different churches. I'm preaching in a lot of different assembly of God, church of God, Baptist, Methodist, non-denominations. I mean, I just, I tell people all the time, have gospel, will travel. I'll go wherever I'm called to preach. And, uh, a lot, of, a lot of times people say things like, you know, the evangelist can come in and blow up and blow out, but then it's up to the pastor to clean up. And, uh, you know, I think that's kind of harsh sometimes, But but what happens is so many times when you go to church every single Sunday, every Wednesday, you hear the pastor... And sometimes you're just used to hearing his voice. And so the conviction is not there from the pastor uh, because you know him versus the evangelist that comes in and can bring a message. Sometimes people will say stuff like, you know, he really stepped on my toes. And really what they're talking about is this, the conviction that comes upon them. And that's what the evangelist does is they bring this message that leads people to, to, to redemption. It leads people to a place of wanting to either get saved or rededicate or at least get their heart right. With God. Maybe they've gotten cold of in, 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 just sitting in church and they need the evangelists to come in. And, and like I like to say, you know, put a little bit of gas on that fire. They need to be stirred up in their most holy faith, like the, the, the Apostle Paul told young Timothy. Um, all of us, all of us as a child of God, are called into the work of evangelism. We're all called to to, to share the evangel, the good news, to be a witness to the things of God. But some are given a special equipment, a special gift, a special anointing to be an evangelist. Let me say that again. All of us are called to share the evangel, the good news, to do the work of evangelism. But there are only certain people with the special gift and the equipping, the, the, the commission from God to be an evangelist. An evangelist is a gift from God to the church. An evangelist is a gift from God to the local church. A person cannot go to Bible school and study to become an evangelist. And people say, well, wait a minute. <laughs> I've seen that. You know, uh, I'm actually currently taking classes through SUM Theological Seminary. Um, we actually here on the campus, we've got ladies, uh, that that are taking classes through North Point Bible college. Um, I know there's evangel university. There's a lot of these and they've got different tracks that people can sign up in, but understand you, you can't go to school to learn to be an evangelist. You can go to school and learn to do the work that an evangelist does, but God calls the evangelist. God anoints the evangelist. It's a gift that man can't give. We can learn about an evangelist. And that's what I'm doing right here is I'm teaching you what an evangelist is. But you need to understand that an evangelist is a gift that God bestows upon us. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter one, verse five, he says, he says, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb and I bestowed upon you. I anointed you And then he he calls him a prophet. But understand whether it's a prophet, whether, whether it's a pastor or teacher or an evangelist, God bestows that upon you. As an evangelist, nobody has to give you a place to preach. Okay? As an evangelist, nobody has to give you a place to preach. When God calls you to do something, go out and start doing it. I, you know, I've been in Walmart and I've ministered to, to, um, the, 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 people at the tellers, you know, the, 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 they're checking you out and stuff. I begin to minister to them. I've, I've done street ministry before I have, I've stood on platforms. I've stood off the bed of trailers. I've, I've stood up in the back of pickup trucks. I, I tell people all the time, like I said earlier, have gospel, will travel. God has given me the opportunity to, to preach the Bible. I don't care if it's two or 2000, we're called to go out and we're called to minister to people. That's an anointing. That is a gift that God gives to each and every one. So we're all called to do the work of an evangelist, but some people are anointed specifically in that office by God. And I hope that makes sense. And we do have evangelists out there today. Again, and I mentioned some of those Um like evangelist Nathan Morris, who often comes to this area, evangelist Daniel Colonna, who took over for evangelist Reinhard Bonnke, um, and 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 men like that. Uh, I've been down to South America, and I've heard multiple times. Uh, I've heard a, a evangelist. Um, carlos anacondia and man what a phenomenal phenomenal preacher he is and so so you know men that have that type of gift uh, they just walk in such an anointing and they operate in the gifts of god the next area the fourth area that i want to look at when we're talking about the gifts of the son and the fourth office that i want to look at is the pastor the pastor The pastor assumes the responsibility of the spiritual welfare of God's people. The pastor assumes the responsibility of the spiritual welfare of God's people. The word pastor literally means shepherd or one who looks out for the flock. So think about those two that I just gave you. The pastor assumes the responsibility of the spiritual welfare of God's people and is literally a shepherd, one who looks out for God's flock. So many people ask me, why do you go by Pastor Tim? And, and that's that's why I go by Pastor Tim is because I'm looking out for the spiritual welfare of these ladies and the young men that God sends our way. I am a shepherd looking out for this flock to protect them under the time that God sends them here to me. This this word pastor, this office of the pastor is also translated to re- referring to one that the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he was our great shepherd he was our great true pastor okay so when we look when we look at the lord jesus christ that is that is the very first person that we see the that was a a pastor and an example for all of us i talked about jesus was the first apostle i believe jesus was the first uh, evangelist out there also and jesus was by far definitely uh, the first the first pastor that we see john chapter 10 mo- most of us know 10 john 10 10 i quoted that earlier um, but john 10 11 says jesus said i am the good shepherd the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep Now, there's a lot of people that like to go out and preach. There's a lot of people that like to go out and do crusades. There's a lot of people that like to go out and and, and do a lot of things. But a true shepherd, a true pastor, a true man of God that is called to a local church or local body to look over sheep is willing to lay his life down for those sheep, you know, I've seen people that, that that went to school and said that God called them into the, the pastoral ministry and then they go to a church and then like a couple years later they get they get upset because somebody didn't like them and they leave that church and they go to another church and then they go to another church and, and they, 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 they bounce around from church to church. And listen, I don't believe that that person is a true pastor. A true pastor is really going to stick it out. And I'm not gonna say that God won't ever move them, but I'm gonna say most true pastors have been in that particular church in that particular pulpit for for, for a number of years. They know their sheep and their sheep know their voice and they are willing to give their lives for that body of believers, for that church. They are sold out in discipling those people. They are sold out in, in seeing those people grow. They're there to baptize uh, their children. They're there to see their children grow up and then marry their children. They're there for the long haul. That is what a pastor is all about. The word pastor is only used one time in the King James. I know many of you out there, you're, you're King James only. You got you know, you're, you're listening to this and you say, well, our church is King James. Well, there's only one time In the King James translation, where the word pastor is used, and and this seems strange when you think about it, because we realize that the office of the pastor is probably the most widely recognized office in Christian ministry. So that's why a lot of churches, because they read the King James, they only see this word one time, you know, they'll call their pastor brother so-and-so. But he is a pastor, he is a shepherd, he is is the teacher of that house, he is the guardian over that particular body that God's called him to. The Greek word for for pastor is the word poimen, okay? So now listen to what I just said. The word pastor is only found one time in the King James translation, but the Greek word for pastor, the word poimen, P-O-I-M-E-N, this particular word occurs 17 times in the New Testament, and, <clears throat> and only one time is it translated pastor, and that's in Ephesians chapter four eleven. The other sixteen times, it's translated shepherd. I hope that made sense. The word pastor we see in Ephesians chapter four eleven, but the word poimen, which is where the word pastor comes from, is also a shepherd, and that is translated sixteen times, or it's seen sixteen times in our New Testament. Now the word roha, R-A-A-H, roha, means to tend sheep. Now understand, our New Testament is written in Greek. Our Old Testament is mostly in Hebrew or Aramaic. So the Hebrew word raha, roha means to tend sheep. In the Old Testament, this word is translated pastor eight times. Eight times in the old testament do we see this word Raha in the in the uh in the old testament. One of these times, let's let's go over there real quick to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter two verse number eight. We'll see this word used um, right here. Jeremiah chapter two verse number eight says The priest did not say where is the Lord? and those who handle the law did not know him. The rulers also transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied of Baal and walked after things that do not profit. So so when you're looking at this right here in, in Jeremiah chapter two, verse number eight, we see that he's talking about the priest. The priest, he said, the priest didn't say, where's the Lord? They knew where the Lord was at. They knew how to handle the law. They knew. Why? Because they were shepherds, roha. They they understood it. They were pastors over the house. John chapter 10, verse 11 through 13, there's a great difference between someone who has been hired and someone who uh, has been commissioned, okay? There's a great difference between someone that's been hired to be a pastor uh, that, 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 a church went to. I know somebody in particular that, um, you know, maybe, maybe somebody liked their preaching style or, or maybe that, uh, uh, their, their daddy or somebody goes to the church and they, Hey, why don't you be our pastor? And, and that, that person may last for a while, but then there's the one that's been commissioned. So let's go back to John chapter 10. I read verse 11 to you earlier, but let's look at this in the context. John chapter 10, verse 11 through 13. So I read to you verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for sheep. So that's the first key is that he gives his life. But then look at verse 12. He says, but a hireling. Now this is the person that was hired to be there. He wasn't commissioned. He wasn't called by God. He was hired. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. So again, I mentioned to you that there are those that, you know, they may go to Bible school. They come back. They want a pastor at church. They want their name on the sign out front. They want all the glory of saying they're the pastor of the church. They want the paycheck, but they don't want to give their life for the sheep. And as a pastor, if you're truly called, if you're truly commissioned, you will be attacked. People will say things against you. People, you know, nowadays on Facebook, you'll say something or do something people don't like you, man, they'll drag your name through the mud all over Facebook, but you're not going to leave your post because you are commissioned by God. You're not a hireling. A true pastor is not a hireling. A true pastor is called by God to lay down his life for that sheep. I'll be honest with you. I've tried to quit Adult and Teen Challenge. I don't know how many times in the 12 years we've been running this ministry, but God called me here and God hasn't told me to leave and I've got a work to do here. And man, my name has been Drugged through the mud. I've had people say all kinds of things about me, but that's okay. They can take that up with Jesus. The office of a pastor is not mentioned by name in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, but it says, but the but the word governments is listed okay let's let's look over here at this first corinthians chapter 12 verse 28 first corinthians 12 verse 28 he says this and god has appointed these in the church first the apostles; second prophets third teachers miracles and the gifts of healings helps administration varieties of tongues um so he talks about administrations or, or or um or governments OK, this is this is this is a list of ministry gifts that God has set the administer, the governments, the person to be over the church again, talking about the pastor. So it's not called pastor specifically, but God is talking about these administrations, these these governments that we that we see within the church, the hierarchy, the one in charge. I had a guy tell me one time and there are some denominations out there where um the board of the church has all the control. But yet, I, I I truly believe, and we can argue with this, and here I go, I'm gonna stick my foot in it. But I believe that the pastor, the, the shepherd of the church is really the one that should be in control. Now he's got a board, he's got a deacon board, he's got he's got elders to help steer him and guide him and, and to help him along, but it's the pastor. That is that is over those sheep. He's the one that God has called and commissioned for that work. So so a pastor is very important. Even though some churches again they may call them brother so and so, they are the pastor. They are the shepherd over that flock. And then finally, the fifth office, the fifth gift that we see here in Ephesians chapter four is the gift of the teacher. The teaching gift is a divine gift. The office of a teacher carries a very special anointing for being able to open people's understanding of God's word. Now, I've never claimed to be a great teacher. I I just, I love listening to great teachers. I love reading from great teachers. Um, I've never claimed to be a great teacher. Um, There's a lot of things I still need to learn, but, but there are some friends of mine that are great teachers. And these men will tell you, they're, they're, they don't, they're not evangelists. They don't uh, God doesn't call them to travel around and preach in all these churches. Uh, many of them do operate in the gift of the pastoral ministry, but they are phenomenal teachers. They are, they are authors of books. They have uh, shows and, and radio programs that they do, and they're just great teachers. This is a special anointing that God gives them for opening up and bringing greater understanding to God's Word. A teacher is not a teacher merely by virtue of natural ability or natural inclination to teach. Okay, let me say that again. A teacher is not a teacher merely by virtue of natural ability or natural inclination to teach. The teaching gift is not a natural gift. It's a divine endowment to teach God's word. Okay, now I do a lot of teaching here at Adult and Teen Challenge. I'm trying to do some teaching here on this podcast. There are people that are so much better than I am that have this divine endowment, this divine gift, this divine anointing to teach God's Word. A true teacher of the gospel of peace will never teach doctrinal error. A true teacher of the Word will never be one that splits the body of Christ. A true teacher of the word understands the word of God and can stand in any pulpit and teach truth for people to understand. A true teacher called by God will not cause division by what he teaches. The work of a teacher is to build up, not tear down. The work of the teacher is to build up and not tear down. The office of the teacher is is an office for the church, and in many ways is is more important than than. And I hear me when I say this. Now don't 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 turn me off. The teaching office to the church is more important than working of miracles, gifts, or healings. I believe the gifts of working miracles, I believe the gifts of healings, I believe the gifts of laying out of hands, I believe the gifts of the spirits are super important, and we're going to start looking at those. But I believe we need to teach the Word. That's why Jesus said it. It's so important. Go into all the world and make disciples. Make disciples. Making disciples requires The gift of a teacher. And I believe the gift of the teachers is seldom overlooked. Um, The gift of the teachers, oftentimes, um, we we put people, uh, you know, man, I got to be careful, but I'll say this. You know, I think a lot of times, you know, it was uh, uh, Rick Warren, uh, gosh, I don't know, 20 years ago, came out with a whole small group group. message that, that, you know, the way to grow the church is through small groups. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with small groups, but I've seen small groups destroy a lot of churches because we allow people to lead groups in their homes that are not good teachers. And all they do is create division. All they do is create strife. All they do, they, they, they're not educated in the things of God, now you know, again, you know, I, I think if you've got a small group and you're you're reading books and you're discussing books, that's great. But we need to understand um, the the person teaching that small group or leading that small group does not does not override the pastor. And too many times I've seen where small groups and small group leaders uh, have destroyed churches. So that's why it's important for the pastor to recognize the gift of the teacher, and to have teachers that can teach groups in the church. Have groups in the church, but we need to be very careful when we allow groups to get outside our church um, and and the people that are over those um, are, are not gifted teachers called by God. So as we look at the gifts of the Son, as we look at the fivefold ministries, we look at the office, the, the ministry offices that God has called here in Ephesians chapter four, these, these offices are so important to us today in this church. And we need to recognize this teaching is so important so we can recognize these offices and understand who needs to be where they're at. Uh, for the for the betterment, because that's that's exactly what he he tells us right here when when he's talking about these churches. He tells us in Ephesians chapter four when he lists these offices. He said these gifts are for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying, not the destroying, not the bringing down, but for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's how important these offices are. So next week. We're going to get into the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the spiritual gifts, the gifts of the gifts of the Spirit of God, uh, and we'll start looking at these in First Corinthians chapter 12. So tune in next week. Thank you again for following our podcast. May God bless you and may you be in a good health. Father, bless each and every one. Father, I pray that you keep them safe and protected. I pray that every need be supplied according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And I pray, Father God, that they continue to be encouraged and strengthened by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And Father, we give you praise for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Talk to you next week.